The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Did you stay up late watching the results or maybe the lack thereof from the U.S. election last night? Yeah, certainly a roller coaster ride, and the U.S. presidency hangs in the balance this afternoon as President Donald Trump and Joe Biden continue to battle, uh, especially in some battleground states. Wisconsin was just given to Biden. I can tell you that Pennsylvania still uh, counting votes there, and in Michigan, can tell you that news just came in that the Trump campaign is trying to halt the vote count in Michigan. Here's Sagar McGon. While the race there is too early to call, Joe Biden does have a small lead in Michigan. The Trump campaign says it's filed a lawsuit to halt more ballots from being counted because it has not been given meaningful access to observe ballots both being opened and counted as state law guarantees. So it is uh, not clear when or how quickly a winner will be determined. It could take days. As I mentioned, counting continues this hour and it is very tight. Now, last night, President Trump made premature claims of victory, claiming he will take the election to the U.S. Supreme Court to stop the counting. This is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. We did win this election. So our goal now is to ensure the integrity for the good of this nation. This is a very big moment. This is a major fraud in our nation. We want the law to be used in a proper manner. So we'll be going to the U.S. Supreme Court. We want all voting to stop. We don't want them to find any ballots at 4 o'clock in the morning and add them to the list, okay? It's, it's a very sad, it's a very sad moment. To me, this is a very sad moment. And we will win this. And we, as far as I'm concerned, we already have won it. So I just want to thank you. So that was President Trump late last night and uh, his claim that they had won the election. Well, those words were barely out of his mouth when news anchors rushed to let viewers that uh, know that his claim uh, that he'd been reelected wasn't true. On CBS, Nora O'Donnell said Trump was, quote, castrating the facts. Chris Wallace told viewers on Fox News that, quote, this is an extremely flammable situation and the president just threw a match into it. And conservative commentator Ben Shapiro tweeted that it was deeply irresponsible for Trump to claim victory. Meantime, Democratic nominee Joe Biden continued to urge patience. It's not my place or Donald Trump's place to declare who's won this election. That's the decision of the American people. But I'm optimistic about this outcome. Biden's campaign says it will fight any effort by U.S. President Donald Trump's campaign to go to the U.S. Supreme Court to prevent ballots from being counted. We're going to start our coverage this afternoon with Dr. Greg Anderson, a political scientist at the University of Alberta who is an expert on Canada-U.S. relations, international trade and investment policy, and U.S. foreign economic policy. He is studied at Brigham Young University in Utah and John Hopkins University in Washington, D.C. Dr. Anderson, welcome to the show. 
Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, I think you were at a watch party last night. What a what a roller coaster it was last night. Where's your head this afternoon? Oh, a little tired. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. It's, uh, it was a lot of fun. You can't stop watching us every four years. It's pretty exciting. So. Uh, what you're hearing, what you're seeing, I mean, was was this, w- is what you're seeing right now, what we're seeing right now, was this a surprise for you? No, I mean, I, I think uh, I think the big surprise was that there was some discussion, and the polls kind of reflected this, uh, that maybe Biden would walk away with a pretty decisive electoral mm-hmm. college win, and in some of those key states that you were talking about, uh, in the intro, it looked like Biden had a five or six point lead in some of them. And so there was a there was a chance that he would walk away with a pretty solid uh, electoral college victory. But in terms of the popular vote, it was always going to be razor thin. And it's turned out that way. Uh, in, uh, and then some uh, overnight. So, um, yeah, it was always going to be tight, and uh, it has been for the last several cycles. So what do you think uh, the, at the end of the day when all the, the votes, all the ballots are, are counted and uh, whomever wins, I mean, what kind of soul-searching does the Democratic Party have to do, the Republican Party have to do when they look back at what's happened over these past 24 hours? Um, well, I mean, I think there's obviously not much of a mandate uh, to be discerned from some of this. I mean, when you have basically half the country is going to walk away, no matter who wins, mm-hmm. pretty unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think the big question for me is what kind of what kind of outreach, uh, assuming as, as it looks at the moment that uh, Joe Biden is, is going to come away with enough votes to uh, uh, assume the White House, you know, what does he do to try to reach across the aisle, if anything? I mean, we've had such bitter, you know, partisanship and, and uh, you know, both sides distrustful of the other and, and contemptuous even. And so what, is, what can he do in the next four years to try to mend some of those fences and, and make it so maybe we're not such a 50-50 electorate uh, the way it's been the last couple of cycles? Yeah, and that is one of the big questions. And uh, a lot of the analysis that I've been listening to throughout uh, throughout the day is talking about this divided country and certainly, uh, you know, the, the rural-urban divide as as well and, and how to bridge that gap and what does that look like moving forward? Is Joe Biden the man that's going to be able to do that? You know, I mean... Joe is a, a decent guy, you know, I, I, but he's not somebody that fires the passions in too many people. Um, but a sense of decency might go a long way, and it's something that's been missing from the last four years. And um, you know, I, I mean, there's a lot of bridges to be to be rebuilt. And uh, you know, our, our social media environment, our mm. cable news environment. Uh, it's just a series of echo chambers where you can basically find people that agree with you, and there's not much listening going on uh, between them. So, you know, can Joe find some ways to do that if he ends up uh, emerging victorious? And, you know, he's got some work to do with the Hill as well. The Republicans made some gains in the House. They're going to retain the Senate. Um, he'll be able to, hopefully he'll have the experience having worked with the folks in the Senate for many, many years Mm -hmm. uh, to try and and bridge some divides and get some things done. Dr. Anderson, you know, um, I I wonder what last night was at some point, if it was a referendum on, on, on COVID, the way that the, the, the pandemic's been handled, you know, part race relations as well, economy taxes, uh, was it a referendum on, on Donald Trump and his last four years? What do you think 
um, pushed people to the to the to the ballot boxes in such great numbers? Uh, you know, what's really interesting is that certainly, uh, you know, the Democrats and, and the, you know, the, the left, if you want to call it that, certainly tried to make it a referendum on, on COVID and the president's handling of that. Uh, what strikes me from last night is the absence of a repudiation of uh, the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a big chunk, he, he increased some of his vote gains uh, among Latinos and uh, and African-Americans, uh, which is really shocking. And so we'll be parsing some of those questions you just asked for quite some time, but not a repudiation of the president, that's for sure. You have been uh, following um, U.S.-Canada uh, relations for a long time, and there has been a lot made over the past number of weeks on who might be better uh, for U.S.-Canada relations, who might be better for Canada uh, in the White House. Um, Joe Biden, uh, I think, is, is, seemed, is seen as maybe... Mm, well, we know he's just not as bombastic. He's just a, a completely different personality. But I think a lot of people need to remember as well that, um, he, you know, some of his, some of the things that he stands for could be very difficult for our country. Yeah, I mean, I think that the overwhelming uh, sort of change that you're going to see is mostly rhetorical. Um, you know, Joe, Joe Biden is a decent guy. He's kind of an old school diplomacy, you know, politics. He doesn't have that kind of demeanor that you're describing mm-hmm. as Donald Trump. And so, you know, there'll be, it'll be a nicer tone, I guess. And we need that. Uh, frankly, I'm kind of looking forward to having a boring presidency. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm kind of exhausted after the last four years. And so, you know, if it, if it holds, uh, just a, a sense of decency and, and a, a change in tone is going to make a huge difference, whether it's with Canada-U.S. relations or America's relationship with the rest of the world. All of that is going gonna, is gonna to shift in tone. Um, but in substance, I mean, uh, you know, Biden has is, is got an agenda at home. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's a centrist at heart. And so people that try to paint him as, you know, anti-oil and gas or, or you know, he's going to impose the Green New Deal or things like this, he's a centrist. And he's proven that throughout the primaries. Um, so to try to paint him as a radical, I think, is a little far-fetched. So I think really the big thing is just the change in tone. Um, and um, I, I think, uh, you know, the normal course of disputes between Canada and the United States will continue apace. What about Keystone? I mean, you've been writing about that for almost a decade now. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see any reason why. I mean, Joe Biden has, has really tried hard to sort of, especially in Pennsylvania over the last week or two, he's really tried hard to assure the oil and gas sector is not going to kill off fracking and, and things like this. And so, you know, I, even though he was part of an administration that canceled permits and, you know, sort of prolonged the agony of Keystone XL, um, that may be far enough down the, the road that, uh, uh, you know, in, in terms of completion and permitting and so on, that he may not want to spend a lot of his precious capital on that. Um, curious to know, uh, Canada's um, ambassador to the U.S. said last night that uh, that they've worked very hard to build relationships with the Trump administration, and um, she said that they will continue no matter who is there. When you look at the personal ties or that, that relationship between Canada and the U.S. over the past number of years, and I mean going back, like let's talk, you know, back to to the to the Bush days, even to the Clinton administration, how much of has that relationship? 
changed over the past couple of decades. And, you know, again, another article that you had written that I was uh, really interested in is you had talked about, uh, you know, this this warm, fuzzy belief that a lot of Canadians have that, you know, uh, the U.S. and Canada should be like, we're buddy-buddy, we're but we really need to take a, a harder, stronger look at that and really evaluate the relationship and maybe th- through different eyes. Well, I mean, I think that the uh, there is this kind of uh, mythological good old days in Canada-U.S. relations that sort of flowed out of World War II and that generation of, you know, sort of shared suffering on the battlefield, and a lot of them ended up in the diplomatic corps. And so there was a kind of this post-war shared understanding that you could argue has been slowly unraveling for the decades since. But, you know, at the staff level, you know, below the level of, of you know, Prime Minister and President, uh, the two governments get along very, very well. I think mm-hmm. one of the biggest changes in the Trump era has been that so much of the staff-level work on the U.S. side of things has essentially been eviscerated. There's been a number of very depressing reports about the evisceration of the uh, U.S. Foreign Service, people leaving uh, you know, the Foreign Service, uh, or even just the, the, so many people are in acting roles. And so when a Canadian in the, in the public service picks up the phone to call their counterpart in the U.S., they're often not there or, or they, they can't make any moves because they, they're, they're in an acting role. And so that's one of the big changes that you'll see at the ground sort of staff level uh, between the two countries. You'll see more, more coherence, more consistency, because Biden will staff those positions. Uh, Dr. Greg Anderson joining us this afternoon. Uh, before uh, I let you go, want to just pick your brain on, you know, we're hearing about these uh, these legal maneuvers uh, by President Trump's camp to uh, try to get, um, you know, voting, you know, or a closer look at things that right off the top. We heard Sagar Magani talk about that, saying, you know, we're going to get uh, things slowed down. Things need to be looked at closer, all of that sort of thing. And recounts, I mean, we'd expect a recount anyway, I think, no matter, uh, you know, if it, what side it was on because of the, of the closeness of, uh, of the tallies. How do you think that um, these legal challenges could unfold? And what does that mean for the length of this process moving forward? Well, it could draw it out uh, for some time. Um, if anybody remembers back to 2000, we were counting physically counting paper ballots for the better part of a month in Florida in a single county. And there were legal challenges and so on. But the the main point I would like to make on this, and it was reflected in the the piece that you aired there, um, is that what the Trump administration is doing is challenging the law as written in Michigan. Uh, You know, states have tremendous power to run their own elections. So what they're going to be challenging in each of the states, if they do, is whether or not the law in that state has been followed. And so if they can find irregularities or that, you know, there haven't been uh, scrutineers allowed access to watch the ballots being opened, like they were talking about in Michigan, they're going to try and challenge that. And they'll exhaust uh, those challenges until there are no more. So um, it could go on a little while. Dr. Anderson, I want to thank you for your time this afternoon. I'm sure it's been a busy day for you. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for joining us on 630 Ched. Thank you. Yeah, you betcha. Dr. Greg Anderson joining us this afternoon uh, from the Department of Political Science at the University uh, of Alberta has, uh, you know, this background in, in following American-Canadian relations uh, for many, many years. Has written some really, really fascinating articles as well. Had some time to uh, sit down and, and go through some of those. Uh, right now, when we look at the Electoral College votes, uh, the latest numbers 
Oh, it's just getting uh, updated again here. Let me see what is going on here. So... The latest one um, that I'm looking at has uh, Joe Biden at 248 and Donald Trump, President Donald Trump at 214. We'll keep you updated on that uh, throughout the afternoon. We'll have more coverage. We're going to head to Ohio coming up just after 3 o'clock. Also want to give you your chance for your thoughts just on, I'm wondering how you're feeling. I mean, I know a lot of you are Trump supporters. Uh, I know a lot of you are uh, Biden supporters. But as a Canadian... As an Albertan, as an Edmontonian, sitting back and watching this last night, how were you feeling? Was it that roller coaster ride, or do you really not give a crap? You're just thinking, okay, you know what? I just want the answer and I want to move on with it.